0: Chapter 12. Detective Stanley drove past the Omega house and saw the celebration in full swing. He shook his head and called Detective Fulton. I'm gonna keep an eye on the house for a minute. You good questioning the kid alone? Stanley pulled over to the side of the road and parked. The tinted windows and black finish on his car made it nearly invisible. I've got it covered. Keep an eye out for the ginger. He may not be as innocent as we think," Fulton said from his office at police headquarters. Fulton hung up and started typing on his computer when he heard a knock. He looked up and saw Evan with his father, Chris. Come in. Evan and Chris walked in and Fulton motioned for them to take a seat. I know these past few hours have been tough for you, so I appreciate you coming in tonight, Fulton said. I just want to get everything off my chest while it's still fresh in my memory, Evan said. So, Evan, do you believe that Chad or any of the other brothers spiked his drink with something? Evan looked at his father, and Chris rubbed his shoulder and said, Tell him everything you know, Evan. Chad told Connor to make the challenge difficult for Tony. I think one of the pledges told me that they gave him strong liquor with something extra in it. I just heard about it recently. I'm not sure what it was. Do you think Chad was jealous of Antonio? I couldn't see why. They were in two different worlds, different life paths. But Chad did like this freshman girl that Tony had a crush on too and was gonna talk to. She have a name? Tony and her had an art history class together. I think her name is Haley. Wasn't Chad a little too old? Also, (laughs) was that enough for him to try and sabotage Antonio's chances of joining the organization? Chad isn't used to people, well, challenging him, for lack of better words. If you liked someone he liked, you stepped down. You bent to his wheel. And Tony challenged him openly by saying he'd pursue her. Fulton wrote down notes as he listened. Now that I think of it, maybe Chad did see him as a threat, Evan said. Let's hope no one gets in Chad's way when it comes to this girl, Chris said. Evan looked at his father, then back at Fulton. Tony did one more thing that might have made Chad really angry. Fulton looked at Evan and raised an eyebrow. Yes? Evan took a breath and leaned forward. He fell down a rabbit hole one night. There was this blog talking shit about different fraternities around the world. They mentioned the Omegas and something about... Evan squirmed in his seat. What, Evan? You gotta be honest, Chris said, rubbing his shoulder. Something about the Rivers. Something about the Rivers family pumping money into the school in order to hide something. Something underground. Tony said that the blog said it's been a secret for years, and only one kid tried to out them. Gregory Cross, in the 70s. My dad went here, and everybody talked about him. The kid ran away, and no one found out what he knew, Fulton said. Tony mentioned it to some pledges, and they shut him up. I even told him to keep quiet. I think he got to Chad. But he never batted an eye. That's what scared me the most, Evan said, looking at his father. I think Chad might make my life difficult on this campus. I know he knows I'm talking to you. We're going to do everything in our power to protect you, Evan, Fulton said. Evan took a breath and looked at his dad. Let's hope everything is enough. Chapter 13 Max looked over at a box in the corner that was tall enough to stand on. He slid it under the trapdoor's opening and climbed back up into the back room. Max pulled himself down far enough to push the box as close as possible to the corner of the open space below and dry heaved as he pulled himself back up. He quickly closed the trapdoor slid the rug back precisely as he found it, tiptoed through the back room door, and closed it. Chad darted down the stairs, Eric charging behind him. Antonio was enough. Now we have another big mouth to deal with, Chad said in a whisper, charging toward the back room. He slipped the door open, nothing. Looking for me? Chad and Eric turned around and saw Max sitting on the couch in the far corner of the basement outside the back room. The light down here is dim. I tend to disappear in light like this, Max said. Chad smiled and walked toward him. I'm sure your classmates in elementary school must have hated you during hide and seek. You were basically born with a cheat card I could have done better being born with the cheat card you had in life, but my disappearing act came in handy when I decided to be a journalist, Max said. It allowed me to grow as an observer. While the others went ahead of me in line, I watched from behind, seeing everything. I moved in shadows, forgotten, but always watching. The unexpected player in the game. The bathroom is that way unless you got lost on the way, Eric said, pointing to the far door next to the back room. I know, Max said. I noticed you had a hardcover copy of Sam Kennedy's book, Secrets in Plain Sight. <laughs> I saw it from afar and got distracted. I'm a huge fan. I have to ask, though, why do you have his book in your library after everything he did?" Chad stepped closer to Max, and even though Max didn't budge, it took everything in him not to run. Don't let him see you sweat. Sam Kennedy, even though he was essentially a traitor, had many positive attributes. We strive to respect our enemies and understand their differences, no matter how deep the betrayal, even if it's in our four walls, Chad said, walking toward the bookshelf. Max took stock of his surroundings and turned to face both Eric and Chad. Mr. Carter, you did more than just admire our collection of books. We know what you were doing down here, Chad said, leaning against the shelf and crossing his legs casually. What would that be, Max said, cocking his head to the side. Creaking floorboards reveal a lot, Eric said. You mean these? Max said as he walked past Eric toward the bottom of the stairs and walked firmly toward both of them, floorboards creaking with each step. Eric looked at Chad, and Chad sucked his teeth. Jumping to conclusions is problematic, Chad. You should know better. You're a lawyer, son, Max said with a stinging smirk. Chad stood back up and walked over to Max, looking down on him. I think you've overstayed your welcome. We appreciate you supporting Hunter on his special day. But we'd like you to excuse yourself. That's the kindest way anyone has ever kicked me out of their house. And the first time I've been kicked out of someone's house. But I go to a white, semi-racist institution. And I really didn't expect to be welcomed that warmly in this house. Max walked up the stairs and Eric followed him. Chad walked over to the back room, went in, and eyed it for a couple of seconds. He noticed that the rug was in the last place he left it, then exited and followed Eric. Max walked into the front room and found Hunter. He walked up to him and said, I'm gonna leave, Hunter. Enjoy your evening. You went through a lot to get this. Congratulations brother hunter looked at him confused and said what do you mean you're leaving is everything okay max clocked eric and chad walking toward them and walked toward the front door max max hunter called out to him while following behind when suddenly chad grabbed him by the shoulder and whispered let him go hunter in his ear Hunter gave Chad a confused look. You'll learn to let your circle get smaller when you move up in the ranks at this school. If you're truly one of us, Chad said, raising his eyebrow. Hunter heard the front door close, looked over, and saw that Max was gone. He looked back at Chad and realized what he was requiring of him without having to say it. He was now a part of the upper echelon, the higher ranks of Winchester's student hierarchy. He and Max were in two different worlds now, and his nod to Chad was his confirmation that he understood that. If he was to ever see his friend again during the school year, it couldn't be on Winchester's campus. Off campus, They could be the same old buds, but on campus, they were ships passing in the night, actors playing the roles of strangers. People in the room saw Chad with his hand on Hunter's shoulder and started flocking to them. Most of the night, Hunter talked to the brothers, but some girls from the sorority next door walked over to congratulate him. Fraternity members from a couple of Greek organizations followed suit. Chad was a magnet, and whoever he touched was knighted with his approval. Hunter had flown under the radar for most of the pledging process, but in that moment, he became the apple of everyone's eye, the eligible bachelor on campus, the new face of Winchester's royal family. Parker joined the circle of intrigue and took in some of the fandom coming Hunter's way. Haley peeked in from across the room and frowned at Hunter. She saw the whole encounter with Max, and inside she started to feel like she had to play the role of not knowing him too. Hunter watched her walk toward the door. As she left, he was surrounded by admiring faces, but never felt more alone. max walked past cornerstone avenue the street that divided martin street and winchester's main campus he took a breath and tried not to internalize the reality of what he was about to experience the next few months max never felt like an it guy the man of the hour he hadn't shaken off the desire for popularity that plagued him in high school He was always in the shadows, even with his written work. Even though he knew he was doing good, he still desired to be admired, appreciated, seen. He had the desire to become a heartthrob, like the guys he saw in teen rom-coms, even if it was just for a moment. He remembered what his mom told him once, when he lost a school essay contest in middle school. What God has for you is for you. He will lift you up and use your life for his will. Lift your head and don't worry about being seen. He sees you and that's all that matters. Don't desire everything someone else has. You don't know what they did to get it. Keep an eye out for his signs. He'll show you your destiny. Watch and listen and keep your head to the sky. Follow your own destiny, my young black prodigy. Max took a breath. Young black boys make the world go round, it's true. Max looked up and saw the stars and realized that someone up there beyond the sky was watching out for him. God saw him, and that was enough. Suddenly, his phone pinged, and he saw an email from Rami626. He quickly opened it and stopped in his tracks. It read, Let's meet. Just us. Nine at Andover Coffee, off campus. Max sat in the back room of Andover Coffee House and swiped through pictures from the Omega celebration. Max saw Hunter in the back of one of the pictures smiling from cheek to cheek with Chad and Parker's arm around him. He's moving up. He got a text from Haley saying, I'm home. Are you okay? Max didn't even realize she had left. He felt bad for not walking her home, but realized she was close to the Omega house and also had a black belt, so she was by far a stronger fighter than him. Max assumed Hunter would have walked with her, but he was obviously caught up entertaining his royal subjects. Max slumped in his chair, twiddling his thumbs. After 30 minutes of waiting, he got up when suddenly a guy in a denim jacket ripped jeans and a cinephile t-shirt rushed in. He had long black hair and a cross earring in his right ear that shimmered in the light. Sorry, I'm so late. Nice to meet you. Well, (laughs) formally meet you. He said, reaching out his hand. Max smiled and reached out to welcome the handshake. He's from me 626 We have a lot to talk about, he said. Max smiled and sat down. We sure do. The familiar vigilante pulled out his phone and slid it over to Max. Let's start with this. I was an Omega Pledge. I can say for certain. Tony knew something. Detective Fulton grabbed his coat and made his way to the door. The phone began ringing, and he rolled his eyes. Who now? Fulton answered. Hello? Detective Fulton speaking? He paused, and his eyes grew wide. Hold on, let me get a notepad. Thanks for calling me back, Dr. Collins. Don't apologize. <laughs> I realized you were late from our last conversation. Fulton sat down and nodded his head until he received information that he was sure would elevate the case to a whole new level. He froze. My God. Thank you for calling. I'll relay the message to Stanley. Fulton sat down, let his head fall back, and took a breath. He pulled his cell phone out his pocket and called Stanley. Once Stanley answered, he leaned over his desk and looked at his notes. We have a break in the case. Antonio Ricci's autopsy results came back. They found gamma hydroxybutyrate in his system, a lot of it. He also had a concussion from the fall's impact. I don't know much about this drug yet, but based on what they said, it's a central nervous system depressant. It can cause you to lose consciousness, even put you in a coma. That mixed with a concussion, Fulton listened. Yeah, that's what I thought. Fulton looked out his window at the rain falling on Winchester's campus. He realized that Antonio was a player in a dangerous game. Losing that game cost him his life. Unfortunately, Fulton knew that Antonio wouldn't be the last. Stanley... I think they killed this kid. To be continued. Resources. Hazing is a real issue that plagues college campuses all over the world. I've read too many stories of young hopefuls whose lives were cut short by hazing rituals. The change starts with us. And educating yourself is the first step. For more info about hazing prevention, visit www.dariusstorylab.com slash haze. That's www.dariusstorylab.com slash haze. To stop hazing, you have to speak up even if that requires speaking with someone confidentially. You could save a life. Acknowledgements. Wow, I have a lot of people to thank. I wanna start with my creative team on this book. Thank you to Joey Faust for agreeing to be my editor. I'm gonna miss our nightly dinner editing sessions. We spent hours reworking this book and fighting over whose state is better. Michigan is better than Ohio, though. I win. <laughs> you challenged me to write my best work. This story wouldn't be what it is now without you. Thank you to Brianna Laden, at perfect on Instagram, for creating illustrated art cards for this book. When you sent me the first sketches, I literally squealed. Getting to see my characters come to life, played a huge role in my writing process. Thank you to my mother for instilling the love of reading in me. I remember when I was in middle school. We went to Kroger. I ventured off to the book aisle and saw The Lost Symbol by Dan Brown staring right at me. I begged you to buy it for me, and you told me yes, as long as I actually read it. Ever since then, I've been in love with books. Thank you for buying me books and encouraging my imagination. Thank you to all my English teachers and my CMU professors, especially Dr. Annette Thornton for teaching me to think outside the box and write pieces that reflect my story. Thank you to my brother Christopher for teaching me how to tell a good story. And thank you to my brother Antonio and my grandmother Brynel Mays for championing my work. Finally, thank you to all my family members, friends, and everyone that purchased this book. It's been a long time coming. Writing a book of any size isn't easy, but you all believed in me, you encouraged me, and you celebrated my work. Thank you for having my back and pushing me forward into my best artistic self. I thank God for giving me this gift, Art is a mirror to society. It allows us to see the worst and best in ourselves. It is a true gift from God that I am forever grateful for. About the Author Darius Montel Buckley is a young Detroit writer and performer. His love for writing began in middle school when he started writing films, web shows, and short stories. He embraced his imagination throughout his childhood and adulthood, and this created the perfect breeding ground for his bigger-than-life projects. He graduated from Central Michigan University, where he studied broadcast and cinematic arts, as well as theater. In his time at CMU, he wrote multiple pieces, including poems for the Defy film and online publications. He wrote and directed the original Detroit hip-hop musical, The Fly and Incredibly Dope Adventures of Tyrone Jenkins. He was also awarded the Robert Newby Fund to support student diversity efforts at the Student Research and Creative Endeavors exhibition for his essay, Filling Myself, Rewriting the Narrative of the Black Feminist. In recent years, Darius has continued sharing his written work with the world, he performed new songs from his musical at the Detroit Fringe Festival, wrote and directed the film Five, a Visual Poem, and published Wonder Boy, a science fiction short. He recently launched his digital writer studio, Darius Story Lab, where he releases his narrative fiction, poetry, playwriting, and screenwriting work. His hope is that his work will inspire people, bring representation for people of color in genres that have lacked diversity, and create stories for people to escape into and dream. For more information about Darius' work, visit www.dariusbuckley.com and www.dariusstorylab.com Books by the Author Wonderboy, a science fiction short From the acclaimed author of Hayes Book One, Wonder Boy tells the story of a young star chaser who finds himself on an epic journey when the brightest star in the sky becomes his new best friend. This is Hayes Book One, an audiobook fiction podcast in six parts, written and narrated by me, Darius Buckley. For more information about Hayes, visit Darius haze slash Hayes.